Welcome to the Abstract Doctors Podcast. Today, Dr. G and Dr. C speak with head men's basketball coach at Christopher Newport University, John Krikorian. For more information on John, please visit cnusports.com. Visit the Abstract Doctors for information and upcoming podcasts. The Abstract Doctors Podcast. The doctors are in. Open up your mind and say ah. Welcome to the Abstract Doctor. Today we have Coach John Kikorian with Christopher Newport News uh, with us. And I'd like to give a short introduction. It might be lengthy since he probably wouldn't do it himself. But uh, the way we met, I asked our sports medicine doctor, you know, I was a former wrestler, so I knew individual sports, and I've been treating patients for 15 years, one-on-one, and I wanted to take these concepts to a team environment and see what could happen. And I said, introduce me to a coach who's stuck and ready, meaning he knows he's stuck uh, and is open to looking at things differently. And he introduced me, John Krikorian, uh, I think it was 2014, the week, be- week before first practice, and, uh, you know, he's an uh, a excellent, highly competitive teams, uh, making the NCAA Division III regularly. Uh, but since then, uh, there has been uh, a transformation and uh, it's been sustainable. Uh, so I'm happy to say since then, uh, two Final Fours, the Sweet 16, and this last year, you were probably favored to win the Elite Eight match when it got canceled. He was National Coach of the Year, countless times Conference Coach of the Year. And his team values, which I love because they're difficult in contrast, is tough and together. And um, plays a really relentless defense. And one year, you know, Division Three has several hundred, a couple hundred programs and has played for over a hundred years. They had the second best defensive field goal percentage in division three history. And you can't, you can't do that without a good team culture. And then one last data point, uh, his retention uh, used to, I think uh, have about two or three juniors and seniors. And one of the ways you succeed uh, in division three is by, you know, having a lot of juniors and seniors. And, you know, people who haven't played division three sports don't realize the commitment that's necessary. There aren't as many resources and it's, it's really difficult to maintain the academic standards. You just, you got to create a love for the game. Anyway, the retention has been through the roof. Um, But uh, this is John Krikorian. John, you got to bring Ron on the road with you, man. Yeah, you're not kidding. You're I not kidding. Leave the room. There was too much love there. Man. It was nice. <laughs> it's a privilege to be in the same Zoom space as you. John, back to you. Yeah, yeah Ron is, is uh, or Dr. G or Dr. Garbo or Yo Buddy, whatever it is. Uh, he, he, you know, he's not lying. There was a great transformation in, in the way I coached and, and why and how. And a lot of that was due to my work with, with Dr. G. Well, I mean, as someone who only knows third hand the wonderful stuff he does, but trust me, he tells me about it all the time, so I believe it. John, can you, in your words, because I know his words, stop and go and levers and all that, you know, for the for the commoners like like moi, can you can you talk about you know what it means to you? And I don't need to know every detail, but just kind of the yeah. overall, and just importantly, how do you bring? creativity and art and and things that are outside just sport into the space to help with that yeah well when he asked me to to join the podcast and i did a little bit of research i realized the only reason i'm here is because i know ron because i was an engineer in college i'm a very very direct analytical uh person by nature um ivy league but (laughs) but the um you know, over the last, you know, as you get older and have kids and life changes and, and I think basketball is a beautiful sport where, you know, it's, it's not black and white that if you don't have a level of creativity uh, and hone it, 
I mean, you can only be so good. That's it's not a robotic sport. So, um, you know, my growth has been over the last 20 years, but specifically with Dr. G, I mean, the, the, I think not just as a basketball coach, but in a lot of people's careers that are high stress and high pressure, we tend to, to start with great values and great ideals and then get caught in the, the race uh, of the next game, the next victory, the next um, competition, uh, and, and at times lose sight of the bigger picture. Uh, and, and I thought Dr. G did a really good job of bringing me back to understand here's what I'm all about. Here's what I need and want my programs and my players to be all about. And more importantly, to be able to, to know when I was going too far into that competitive zone, which would then cause me to lose focus. And so there's two ways that could happen is in the grand scheme of a season or a year, losing balance with family at home, losing balance with life, losing balance with my creative side, which I, I guess I do have one that's very, very deep, deeply hidden. Um, you know, but then from a, a, in a game, you know, watch a basketball game, a highly competitive basketball game and watch the coach that is very calm, is focused. The announcers talk about the great decision-making under pressure and then watch the coach who's running up and down the sideline yelling at everybody, including the officials and the lady in the third row, because it's just, it's just too much. And that was me, you know? Um, and so through some techniques, breathing techniques and, you know, really taking the time to practice those and understand their value, you know, I was able to bring that. I think it's made me a much better coach and a much better person. So that's a lot of praise for, for Dr. G that's enough. I'm done with, with, uh, with that. No. Uh, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a, I, you know, I just saw today that the Penn state coach resigned and uh, the Wichita state basketball coach is under hot water. And, you know, like you said, people go into this with ideals. They don't, they don't go into it uh, to have conflict and have these relationships broken down the road. And, um, you know, I, I like to, I like to, I like to help people get out of their own way and flourish. And, you know, you're a master team culture guy and, uh, defense and all that. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on out there in the world of college basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just. Uh, I think you touched on it that you just sort of creep into it gets more and more intense and you need to ground yourself and figure out your values. And, uh, uh, you know, when I first saw it in him was another about a month or two after getting to know him we're he's one-on-one -on -one with a player. We're having conflict and, and he's having this intense conversation. He finally gets to the moment where he looks up while he talks about the love of the game. And he looks up at the same time and said, that's it. I was trying to find what's his gig. What's this guy's gig? And uh, John wants to share the love of the game with his players. Is what I think. Yeah, and at the Division Three level, if the players don't love to play, there's no reason for them to play. It's it's a very different dynamic in Division One when you're on a full scholarship. There's a a very transactional or can be a very transactional relationship. Um, I'm providing you a scholarship. You you provide this level of performance. Uh, um, whereas in Division Three, it, it's a totally different deal. They they are arriving at our our university for an opportunity to grow and get better. But if they don't love the game or if they have a bad experience, they can walk away at any time with, and it will not impact their academics. So uh, it's it's different, and and we have to create a culture where they love it. Um, and we've worked hard to do that, especially over the last six years. And it's amazing to see this past year to have six seniors. I've never had six seniors before on a team, a basketball team. That's quite a bit. That's a third of your team um, that all graduated uh, and were hugely impactful. So um, but to get back to your, you know, like college basketball, I mean, 
I grew up and played in an era that was largely impacted by the military. I mean, it was very hierarchical. It was respect your coach, whatever the coach said went. Um, and you just did it and toughness ruled the day and things got very personal between players and coaches. Um, I don't know your, your athletic backgrounds, Dave and Ron, but you know, I'm guessing you had a coach at some point that it became personal. That was just kind of the way that was motivation back then. And that was, I was a product of, of that. And you still see bits and pieces today of coaches that, that don't, that haven't evolved. Um, and they're, they're, they're not going to make it anymore. Well, you're not sad. I mean, but what you're saying is not unique to sports. Obviously. I mean, there are corporations, companies, whatever it is, where people stay because they love the culture of it, even though they may not be getting paid the most, or they may come and they may jump across uh, uh, companies because to chase the dollar or because the lifestyle isn't right. But what really struck me is that, you know, everybody now is talking about how much better it was in the olden days. And, and well, you know, the teams worked hard together. Everybody followed the coach or the companies were committed to you for life and everybody loved it. And, you know, I was alive then. You were alive then, Ron. Everybody was alive then. I'm like, yeah, you know, not so much. You know, like it, it was something you did. You know, like I remember my football coach that felt that yelling at everybody was the right thing to do while you were pushing the sled. I'm like. This guy's yelling like a nutcase. I don't need this, you know, but I'm doing it because it's probably, you know, good for me at some level. But that was the culture. It wasn't fun, it, you know, and, or working back in the 80s. I'm like, yeah, this is, doesn't seem like there's love here. Nobody cares about who I am outside of being, in my case, a doctor. But it was like, you just work, work, work. And like, like yeah, that's what everybody's looking back towards. I'm like, that's not so great. You know, I mean, nobody I talked to says it's so great. And yet today... Like we're kind of dancing on this edge of like your, you know, this, I don't even call it work-life balance, work-life integration. You know, you figure out how do I really enjoy and love what I do at work and how do I bring some of that work home with me? Because I like working in the home environment. I can't just go to work and stop. And, and everybody's like getting stressed about that. I'm like, dude, do you remember what it was like 20 years ago, 30 years ago? So I, I mean, again, what you just said kind of hit a light. I'm like, I don't think it was so great back then. Bobby Knight isn't exactly my role model, yeah. you know, nor are many of them. He's an extreme example. I get it. But almost all coaches were like that. Just like all bosses were like that. I wasn't sure where we were at. Uh, there were two moments where I got an inkling that things, I, I personally think you got to make the culture shift and then the success will follow. And the first data point for me was at the end of the first season, the sole senior said at the banquet, um, you know, this kid played his basketball his entire life and he's the sole senior survivor. And he says, this is the most fun I've ever had playing basketball. And there was no drop off. They, 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 they pushed, right, your conference title to the very end uh, and just missed making the NCAA tournament. Um, so here was the kid had the most fun and we did not drop off in, in competitive level. Then the next great data point, which I'll let John tell his story, was I think the home opener the very next season with a young team, and they were playing a, uh, a top eight-ranked team at home, a rival. And the youngsters are putting it to the highly ranked team, and they're leading them the whole time. And then like seniors do, a senior from the other team drains this crazy uh, ball at the last second, and the home crowd, the wind just goes out of the arena like uh all that work and now we're going into overtime and 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 when he told me what how 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 that went uh i thought okay we got something going yeah i i um so i i did want to add on your point uh david about um whether it be business or sport or the way things were you know, I've done a lot of soul searching and research on this. I actually went through the Center for Sport Leadership at really at the same time that I was working with Ron. And those were th those together really were a good marriage. Um, but think about the coaches or the leaders or the business folks that survived and did well in that culture. 
those that excelled in that culture went on to be the next coaches and the leaders, right? So your whole football team hated it, but I bet there was one or two football players that really, really thrived under that environment. And those are the guys that probably went on and became football coaches. So it's, it's like a, it's, it's perpetual until it's not. Um, and I was a product of that. I loved it. You could yell at me all day long. Yeah. And well, it just got me. Well, I'm sure back then many of us, our parents raised us that way. I wasn't exactly uh, massaged and sweet talked by my father to do things. Now you're kind of like, yeah, yes, dad. Yep. We'll be doing that. Yep. Yep. But, you know, and, and obviously as you need to find the balance and the pivot, the extremes of anything are not, you know, aren't going to work. But, you know, I, was, I, I think an important part of it to kind of go to just because I like to bring everything back to health and brain health and wellness yeah. is, is, you know, it's really good for your brain and your heart and your body parts to stress and to have points where you're pushing it to beyond the limit, right? It's really good, you know, and to know that there either are limits or in fact, there aren't limits. You can elevate the next level. It's really important to do that. And, and this is Ron's lever thing. He's actually got me thinking like this, you know, and, and you're, and then you're at the same point, you got to be able to say, you know what? Okay. I realize I'm, I'm at that, that peak level. I'm getting there. I'm pushing it, but it's not feeling you know, as healthy, it's not feeling so. So I'm going to kind of do something with my mind, my body, whatever my time so that I can kind of ease down a little bit and only save that juice for when I need it in the last seconds, or I need it to write this grant or to finish my shift, whatever it is. But otherwise, I'm going to kind of be in that in between space where I'm gliding or I'm kind of doing. And from a health standpoint, that's the point when your brain actually not only can you know, expand and grow, but also can be cleaning its cleaning out some of the garbage that's been built up by the stress or by some of the negativities. And it's true in, in basketball and anything. It's like, you can't just restore yourself at night. Everybody's like, well, I'm going to just push myself to the limit and I'm going to do it. And, you know, when the season's over, I'll rest or, you know, you know, I'll bleed when I, I don't, when I have time to bleed. I'm like, yeah, not so much. I mean, that's, that's a recipe for death at some level, whether it's actual death or where it's spiritual death or whether it's burnout, you know? And so figuring out that day-to-day -day balance is, is the, and week to week and life balance is, is, is key. And it, it, you don't figure it out. It's a journey. It never, you know, you got good moments and bad still, but, but it, this weekend I was doing some hiking in the, in the Blue Ridge and I'm like, it's physically stressful on my body and I'm not loving that. And I almost fell on the rocks a couple of times, you know, but man, is my head clear while I'm doing this? And, you know, how do I take the art and the creativity and the coolness that was happening around me while at the same time, my body and whatever it is are being pushed. I mean, that is, that's what you're trying to get in a perfect season or, you know, in a life in your job, you know, yeah. To, and I would say that what was the eye opener for me was that that clear headedness and that passion and that rejuvenation and love actually go hand in hand with increased performance. Yeah, that, that's and, a scary and, thing. That, that's, and yeah. that's, what, that's what I totally missed the boat on. I thought yeah. if you were winning, it should not be having a good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's another game to play or, or it's, you know, the coaches philosophy in any, any sport and probably business too. As soon as you have a big win, you better come in the next day and kick their butts and practice because yep. they're going to be enjoying it. God forbid we enjoy a victory. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's, yep. you know, and so with, it took me about a year to even be receptive to Dr. G's practices because I just couldn't believe that we could have fun. We could work less hard and have, at least the same level of performance. And he had to promise me about 50 times that me not being a raving lunatic would actually help our team perform better. It took about a year until that senior stood up after we, he might not remember, we blew a six point lead with about a minute to go in the championship game to go to the NCAA tournament. And that is when that senior said, that's the most fun I've ever had. That, that was really an eye opener. And then, and then beyond that, starting to do research and look at how, how to team, like the NCAA tournament, the March Madness, Division Three is almost the same as Division One in terms of the structure. 64 teams, you, you advance or you go home. And the pressure builds very, very quickly. Um, 
And we were typically a team that got in the tournament and lost. You know, we put all our eggs in getting in. We got in and then yeah. we grinded to a to a halt. And I looked at all the teams that advanced in that environment. They were all having fun. My guys couldn't wait. They were like, oh, it's over. Oh, oh well, <laughs> let's let's rest. Let's bleed. Let's relax. Like that was a grind. You know, there's, there's and so we changed that. There's a strange uh, irony. Um, you know, you want to go into the NCAA tournament all set, ready to go on all cylinders. And I think for hard driving coaches, uh, that's what they want, but it doesn't feel right if you didn't put everything into it and you, you're not totally exhausted. And, and so let's say you do go into the tournament and you're feeling great and you have to lose the first round, you will feel like you didn't put everything you should have because I'm not drained. Um, so I, I don't know. There's this contrast about wanting to go in there all ready to go feeling great. But if you feel great, you feel guilty. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. well you know, to, to, to flip it, which I keep liking to do uh, to, to the artistic world, like like guitarists who are going to go to a big concert or a, via, or a violinist or whatever is. You know, they, they practice like crazy eight hours a day for, for five years. And then they go to, you know, to the rock concert or to a Carnegie Hall. And then it's pure joy. Like, so, so they make it to the final four. You know, they make it. Then when they're in the final four, that then they're floating. You know, then there's no stress. You know, they, they, they've honed their skill over a lifetime or a season or, you know, or if they're a painter, they, they, they practice. Then when they're painting their masterpiece, they just, it's it's floating. It's not stressful. You know, no, they also have, they can also change the brush stroke. I get that if they make a mistake, but, but, but it's just the opposite of a lot of things we do, you know, like, 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 so me, I like to write grants and write books and stuff like that. And, you know, writing the grant to me is heaven. Like it's not stressful. Like I've spent my life trying to figure out how to write things well and no science and whatever it is. Many people are like, oh, I only have six weeks. I got to write this. I'm like, I want to do it for six years. I, it's just flowing, you know? And, and, you know, particularly when you get funded, it's awesome. So when you win the NCAA, it's great. But just produce, just playing ball in, on, the, on the big stage or on the big show, you know, all, the, all the, the, the different phrases, you know, and doing it is that's the reward. Now, when you get the championship and you get the cup or you get the grant, it's even better. But if you're not enjoying the tournament, you know, totally, you know, and, and like I might sleep after the grant, you know, I might be exhausted at the grant, but it's the best sleep I've had because it's just, you know, a, a wonderful release. So I, I do think it's, you know, I mean, I'm hyper competitive and, you know, I want to get every grant or write every book, whatever, but still, I totally still enjoy it. And, I, and I'm hoping, because I don't know, I'm hoping that the college kids and the, in the, Final Four and March Madness are enjoying the hell out of that, you know, as much as the Super Bowl guys seem to be enjoying at least right before the game. Yeah, I think what you see probably often are the teams in the Final Four. Yeah, you missed it. When you're in the Final Four, you've basically achieved the, the, that is the point where you can, you know, sit back and just play. That is the Carnegie Hall, right? Yeah. But when you're in the round of 64, yeah. And you're the three seed mm-hmm. and you're playing the 14 seed and all the expectations are you better win this. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to advance. You're the better team. You're the higher seed. That's a lot of pressure. It's not that much fun. Now it's fun if you're the 14 seed. Yeah, of course you got nothing to lose. <laughs> right. right. BCU's magical run to the final four. Right. Yeah. I'm sure that was pure joy. Yeah. But for the teams they beat along the way, not so much. Yeah. So, but when you, I mean, John, though, talk about uh, the last two minutes of the game. Um, even though it's incredibly stressful, he's now in the zone thinking clearer. And, and, and the way you reflect back on the last two minutes of the game now, I think re- the way you would reflect earlier, how painful it was trying to think right and see things. Yeah. Well, as a coach and probably in a lot of, professions right you look back at the critical moments and you and you play the coulda shoulda woulda ah I didn't see that and then of course we have film that we get to watch and break down every mistake that that we made or our players made um 
And, and yeah, one of the techniques was the ability to, as you said, there's a lot of terminology, but kind of stop in a hot pressure situation, going down the rabbit hole of chasing the referee down the sideline or, or, or having conflict with a player who maybe, maybe made a mistake and kind of staying focused on, um, okay, what, what do we need to do next here? And, you know, you just see there's, there's coaches out there like the Brad Stevens of the world and the NBA. I mean, he's the, the top of the game. Like he is so laser focused. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's going on. He's going to make a very smart decision. And then there's other coaches, the last two minutes of the game, it's, it's pure adrenaline, just pure adrenaline. John, are there things you're doing formally or informally with your team, whether that be the players, the coaching staff, to kind of get on that same page and to kind of disseminate the wisdom that you've got or that Ron has imparted upon you? I mean, or, or, or do you just expect them to follow your lead? What, what, what is your strategy? Well, it started with me when we did this, when we started this with Ron, it was, he, he really wanted to do it with the team first. And I said, well, I, I'm not going to roll anything out to the team that I don't believe in. So, and on top of that, I need some help. So, so let's do this. Um, and it worked. And then for several years, we, we really kind of pushed it out to the team and did it as a group. And th this is breathing techniques, the five seconds in five seconds out. Yeah, yeah. We, we did it scientifically we did it with apps we did it with gadgets and doohickeys we we've done many different uh types of ways to kind of analyze the data and show the team that it's working now i would say some are more receptive than others as 18 19 20 year old young men right really yeah so so we've kind of done a little less like we'll do some meditation and yoga um and for those that you know, there. What you find is, and this is that creative piece. That you, if I have 15 players on the team, they're all different. I have some that are so unbelievably gifted and natural in terms of their ability to stay cool under pressure. I couldn't teach them a thing. I mean, they they teach me. And then there's other guys that are high achieving. You know, uh, young young men that just they've gotten a lot done in their lives and. When it's not going well, it, they tighten up and they need to be able to, to learn how to breathe and release and relax under pressure. And that's where I think those are the guys that we're really helping the most. Um, and sometimes that's a one on one with Ron. Sometimes that's a group thing. Um, just one other thing that we've done recently that's been very helpful because workload management is important. You know, you played football where the body can only take so much. So practicing more is not always better. Right. But late in the season, we need the mental reps, not the physical reps. So we've done some visualizations um, where we'll sit in a circle, close our eyes, and we'll walk through one play, and it might take 15 minutes. And, okay, you know, Luther, tell me you have the ball in your hands. What do you see? There's a minute to go. This is the situation. Okay, well, I see – Tyler up on the left hand wing. That's where he should be because it's this play. The defender though is coming up. So we're, and we'll go through this like 15, 20 minutes with eyes closed. And we're talking about values and we're talking about where people are and we're talking about why things are the way they are. And it's really powerful stuff. It's really helped. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. And, you know, and, and, you know, again, I, I think you don't need to get everybody being exactly the same or having the same psyche. The, the key is, you know, where does everybody fit together in that team and what's their role and stuff? I think yep. that's, you know, and, and that and that's the, the challenge, just like an ensemble or whatever it is, you know, has to, you know, you, you know, you don't have to be the best singer or the person doing all the parts. You have to fit your specific role. Yeah, and what's was, been great in this day and age is for me- is Ron, you're smiling. That's good. Yeah. good to, yeah. <laughs> does it usually so, not? So, so yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> Funny you mentioned ensemble. Uh, we I took it next from the basketball team to the uh, wind ensemble at CNU and helped shift the culture there. And man, you learn when you're dealing with a winds ensemble to uh, to basketball players. Um, one of the things John took to heart because he had so much conflict. The team value was tough, 
and he could just never sacrifice toughness. Uh, but the team value was tough and together, which are fantastic values. But all conflict is about values, not you and me. And he, he, he took that to heart. And he, I don't think he's ever had a conflict since that it, may, it was personal. It's now about togetherness or toughness or some other value. Um, and so, you know, when you go to a wind ensemble, they, they, have diff- they look at the world a little differently than, than, than basketball players. And to find their thing, uh, we came up with, you know, being a professional. So these are young, talented musicians but he wants to get them to a level of being a professional, not just a student, but a professional. So that was the, the ideal. And what were the group's purpose? Is John um, also the head of the wind ensemble? Are you going to no, tell me that now? No, this is a different professor. <laughs> oh, he kept saying he. I'm like, all right, I, I need to leave if he's doing that. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not only that, no, no, none of that musical talent was shared with me at all. Okay. I, okay. I so, so if he takes out an oboe right now, it's all over, man. That's the next level. No, right. but, sorry. But yeah, no, no. So, so that was that was also great learning for me how to reach two different groups. But, but you know, uh, John took that to heart. You know, when we had uh, we had several knockdown dragout meetings early on, and I had to, you know, I was pulling the doctor card all the time. Then I finally had to keep pulling the the ex wrestler card and say john i promise if they don't run their wind sprint i promise i'll never tell you to hug them i promise um and and you know so we finally maintain standards and find a way to value recovery and have all conflict about values not necessarily the rules right away but the value uh you know, I think that's a great point. I mean, I think the less personal the conflict became, the higher we were able to raise the standards. Yep. Just, I mean, just like that. I mean, if I had advice to give a coach, it would be that magical. Get rid of the personal conflict, increase your standards, spend your time helping the athletes or performers achieve the standard instead of uh, making it personal when they don't. And you'll immediately see increases in, in your performance. It's incredible. Wouldn't that be a wonderful mantra for some of our political leadership in this country? Oh, you know, Forget yeah. about the people. You know, I don't know. You don't need to love each other, even though they they all look the same to me for the most part. I'm like, really? You have differences? You know, but but, you know, what about the what? what's the character of our culture, our society, our country? What's the goal? What's the vision? Who are we supposed to be? You know, I mean, I, it's cool not looking and smelling and talking and whatever it is like other people. It's cool to be in that mixture. You know, it, it's actually easier when they're kind of very different because then you're like, I don't even know where this person's coming from or what their life has been like. I want to find out. But more importantly, what is the CNU captains? I think that's the name of the, the team. Yeah, right? you got it. Yeah. What, 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 what is their vision about? What is, you know, what, what are we all working towards? You know, and then then the the difference is kind of going, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, but, but you know, or, you, or it, forget about it, it doesn't matter. It brings it brings strength to it. Having a full palette of differences brings strength to the canvas that you're that you are trying to paint or you're trying to facilitate. You know, and that's the and again, if our country could appreciate one tenth of that, we we really would be having a lot more fun in the world right now. But uh, it's crazy. So, John, I was actually while while Ron was talking, I was looking at your uh, your bio. You're crazy good at what you do. It's amazing. I, I, I didn't appreciate that when in Ron's intro. I thought it was just love-based. It's actually factually based. Um, <laughs> can I ask you, well, um, you're so good at what you do, all right? I'm not just sucking up to you. I mean, the numbers don't lie. And, and at many levels, what, 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 why are you still at your place? What about being at CNU, other than living near the president, um, has kept you you know, uh, there's got to be something about the culture there because, you know, that's, it's the longest you've been anywhere, but and obviously you're crushing it, but uh, what, what about it is so attractive to you as, as this mature leader? Well, it, it, it does start with the culture. You know, it's, it's a wonderful place to be um, in terms of raising my family and the values that we sure. have. So, so, you know, personal life is important. Um, the school which those of us in Virginia, especially, but now the reach is even beyond 
of Christopher Newport University now, it, it's a special place. You know, it's, it's a great size, 5,000 students, great academic profile. We get just the best kids from the best families. I mean, it's just, we're working with, with just terrific young people here. I think the best and brightest from Virginia that, that can play at this level are, they're coming here. Um, we have great diversity, you know, so unlike a lot of really maybe high elite schools, I mean, our team is tremendously diverse as one of our values as a team. And I think that's been really important to me. Um, and so I, I still see tons of opportunity for growth for myself, for my team. Um, and, and I've, I've started to enjoy the journey much more than trying to chase, you know, maybe the next rung up the ladder, which I had done for the vast majority of my career. And, you know, if things happen that are professionally, you know, and personally, uh, you know, some way better, great. You know, um, I'm a very motivated person, but I'm really enjoying this right now. And John, for, for, for those of us who don't know who this, can you, because I just looked it up to, I'm cheating. Can you remind us who Christopher Newport is? Because, you know, uh, we, yeah. no, I, I, I can read it if you like, but I'm like. Yeah, no, I mean, right. He, the, 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 really the ambassador, they call him a captain, but he was the, the he, he had the whole fleet of ships that had John Smith and Pocahontas. And, right, I didn't know, right. I, I, yeah. And I watched Pocahontas on Disney so many times. I don't remember him. <laughs> Wow. And a little, little trivia, Christopher Newport is the only school, NCAA Division One, Two, II, or Three, that has the mascot, the Captains. Wow, really? Are, are there any, no sport in the, in a, no college sport in America has that name? Nope. That's um, and, and President Treble has transformed the university. There's more cupolas per square foot on the campus now than any other university in the country. Cupola as in like a dome structure? Oh, yes. He's a builder. He's a builder. So Christopher Newport brought over all these folks in 1607. Now he's making it a, making a permanency. That's pretty cool. That's very rocking. I can honestly say I've never been to Christopher Newport, barely know where it is, but I'm learning a lot. This is cool. And, and it, it's, it's nice to, and, and actually, do, do you know this, John, that there's actually a statue of Christopher Newport in downtown Richmond and uh, it's on the canal and nobody knows it's there. It's a beautiful statue. It's right next to a uh, a lovely tequila and taco bar, uh, uh, right? It's it's the the boathouse. How do you say that in Spanish? Uh, something Boca, I guess. I don't know. No, Casa Boca or something like that. But but there's a statue of Christopher Newport, which I've passed. I'm like, who is Christopher Newport? I didn't but, know that. That's pretty. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. It's it's right on the canal walk, right near right near the boathouse uh, restaurant. Exactly. Nice statue. And it's yeah. a statue that may survive. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, it's still there. So you know, he probably didn't do some great things. We'll see. But uh, uh, but re regardless, um, uh, that's it's neat. It's good to learn about it. And Newport yeah. News, lovely area. Wonderful. It is. Well, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and, and and you know, before we 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 get to the end, I I, I got to keep hammering home, John. You know, at, at VCU, um, uh, myself, uh, um, Ron Johnson, who's kind of moderating this, and some of and others have linked the the athletes with creative things, specifically with art, um, and and in an art in a very broad sense, everything from the uh, singing to poetry to uh, uh, music pl playing to, to being creating on paper painting um, and it, it's been and I and I and I've been a little bit part of that in terms of uh, been at some of the sessions and stuff and and it's amazing how these physical artists if we can call the athletes that the physical artists really take to these things mm -hmm. they really really love and part of it is that it's a part of being in a college other than sports that isn't unbelievably threatening because there's a bunch of geeks walking around. There's, you know, there's people like me who come to the class and talk to them about their brain and MRIs, which they're sort of fascinated with, but like, yeah, you know, not so much. Right. But, but when you see him interacting with, uh, you know, a, 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 dan a dancer or a painter or a musician, they're just at one with that. And they just totally love it. And it's not only a great recruitment tool, which is how the, athletic folks see it because they're like, oh, I can do art as part of my education and training, 
but also it's a part where they just, you know, kind of say, this is how I unwind. This is how I express outside of the court or relate to other folks on it. Is there any, and, and I'm not putting you on the spot here, but, but is there anything at CNU that's kind of part of that space or that has looked at that? Yeah, I mean, we're, we are a liberal arts school and we have an incredible fine arts program and others, but I'll be honest, we, we, I have not had many players um, that have really taken to that maybe side of the house. I, I think the, because I thought about this before coming on, the vast majority of the players I've had find their creative side in their music, uh, in their, in their beats. And I mean, we've actually had guys that leave here and go, go into LA and they, they are recording music. Um, and, and that tends to be the creative side that, that our guys have really taken to and expressed themselves with. Now, that can be difficult at times in the locker room when they're playing music that, you know, I have no idea half yes. of the words yes. are or, or what's being put. But no, I, I think generally it's it's that. Um, I'm sure there are some that, that are really good in expressing themselves artistically in other ways. I'm just not. I got one for that. you. Um, when, when he managed to create less personal conflict, what, what, what Division three players realize, and this is appropriate, maybe it's time to move on from basketball. And there was a conflict with a player, and unfortunately, he left the team. But he really left Division three basketball, not John Krikorian and not the basketball team. And the reward from that, so that next year that started off, and I want John, you, I want you to tell us about going into overtime at home in the first that next season. When they made their first Final Four, that player who had left the team, left Division Three basketball, he ended up documenting their run and making a documentary of the team's run. So he was part of it. Right. He gave it back. It helped the team. It lifted the team. Um, it, you don't. When you when you change your approach, you don't know where the benefits will always come. And and when that player did that, I thought I thought that was a tremendous lift that he could leave the team, but yet participate and lift them all up. So John, did you win in overtime? It's the third time he's given you this entree. I have no idea if you won or not. Did you win, man? No, either we lost in the final oh, four. I mean, no, we... no, the first game of the season when you made it to the final four. Oh, oh, the uh yeah, well, he had it wrong. That was the that was actually the number two ranked team in the country, which is oh, the, next level. All right, which yeah. it was Randolph Macon at the time, which is a big in-state rival for us. And uh, yeah, so we went. We the kid drills a, a three. We're we're up yeah. three in the waning seconds. We right. miss a free throw on top of it. The kid oh. hit the three at the buzzer to go to overtime. The whole crowd's deflated. Right and. I don't know how or why I had the sense to say this. I must have been meeting with Ron before the game. But literally in, in the huddle, I said, well, look at the bright side. We get to play five more minutes of basketball. So right, right, right. let's have some fun with it. And look we around. We came out and won in, in overtime. We did. So yeah. Yeah, that was a great victory. So it has a Disney but, ending. Good. I was worried. Yeah, but, yeah. No, but, but the player he's talking about, it's a great example because I yeah. don't think always about videography, but we, we have had some players since then that have, you know, moved on from basketball. Um, and But we've maintained really good relationships. In the, and in this case, this player, he videographed our whole season, including the Final Four, and was like part of the team, even though two years later he was a starter on the team. Um, so for him, I mean, I just give him a lot of uh, – respect that he he could do that you know around those same guys that he was playing with and and there was just a lot of love and respect on both sides and he's going on into the creative side of sports where he's doing videography and and writing and that's his way to be creative and so mm -hmm. yeah i mean that, that that's a good example well i would highly recommend that after this you connect with ron johnson the other guy that because he, i mean he, he goes around the country bringing creativity and art to athletes yeah. through the athletes. And, and, you know, it, it, you don't know how far you can go until you kind of do that, particularly if you're the only captains. I mean, there's got to be a captains yeah. other than Morgan that's part of this. Uh, so it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, my, my own only connection to art as an engineer guy, yeah. like I really have music. I do like music. I see the guitar. I have one mostly for looks, yeah. not for playing. 
it's, it's a good pickup. Yeah, it's pick a good. Up. Yeah, you know. Um, but you know, paint night. You've heard of paint night when that was started. We yeah, drink yeah. wine and paint. Well, yeah. Well, my cousin and best friend growing up is the founder of paint night. So right. it's in your jeans. It's in your jeans. So yeah. I think somewhere along the line, I got you know, it might just be the wine drinking, but I'm hoping there's some uh, some creativity in there as well. So, so, so do you use like graph paper and like one of those, one of those automatic pencils? Are you that kind of an engineer? I love graph paper. I know you, you, I could, so, so you can make art in that way, you know, but yeah, no, linear is cool. Linear is cool. You know, one dimensions. All right. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. My, my son must've got some with this. You, you must know yeah. about this Minecraft thing. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's, he's building stuff on his, on his computer that way. I mean, yeah. seven years old and he's yeah. showing me like he's building this stuff and i'm looking yeah but, but what you need to do is take him take that and bring it to the non-computer world make it really 3d tactile smell you know go from minecraft to play-doh or to uh you know what are those little bricks that you put together the lego yeah what? no no the legos little, legos thank you that's how you know but 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 really but from a brain standpoint john if you want him to go i know you went to an ivy but if you want him to go whatever you know, Minecraft is interesting, but someone else is writing that code. Mm -hmm. And so, so, so use that, say, Hey, can you build that city with Legos or, you know, or even painting it? I think, yeah. I think it's all important. I think, you know, pushing your brain is vital, but pushing your hands and, you know, the smell of the Lego you're working with, or, you know, or going out in those woods that are behind you and uh, creating, you know, a, a tree fort out of the stuff in the woods is just as vital to it. Um, you know, and, and, and again, or writing on graph paper. My dad was an engineer too, and electric or automatic pencils and graph paper, everything. And everything was in all caps. I'm like, dad, why is everything in all caps? <laughs> well, it's more precise and it fits in the box. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I might've rebelled against that a little bit. I don't know, but it's all good. I understand more now. Yeah. All, oh, yeah. Ca all caps is always yelling. It's oh, I know that, but back then it wasn't. Back then it's an engineering thing, you know, it's precise. They mm -hmm. fit in the little uh, graph paper squares, right, John? And they were, I don't oh, know. Like penmanship drives me bonkers. Yes. Like yes. if the players, you know, will have a survey and they turn it in and I'm like, how can you even be 20 right. years old and write like this? I yes. can't, like, I can't even. Unless you're a physician, then you get away with it. You get credit, you know? But no, I agree. No, I agree. You know, it's, it, it's, you know, and we're losing a lot of our physicality, you know, not so much basketball players, but people, you know, most tech positions, even most positions and a robots doing the work for you. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you're touching a button to pay for things. You don't even sign your name anymore and these kind of things. So I, I do think there's a balance. I love tech. You know, I think it's vital. You know, I, 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 I'm, you know, sports science is fascinating, but really, you know, watching somebody go through uh, their basketball drills is way more interesting than reading about it or looking at the, the looking at the the uh, the sensor that's told me how fast they pivoted. I know Ron G likes that stuff. I'm like, I'd rather just watch them, man. I want to hear music playing while they're, you know, I don't want to see how how fast they can jump. I don't care what their vertical is, like you know. But yeah. Anyway, I, so so I don't know how much you watch basketball, and it was a real eye opener for Ron because as a wrestler, and I give him a lot of grief about it. Like he knew you should have seen him at the first practice he showed up at. Yeah, he had no You'd idea. have thought, oh, he might have, he might as well have been in one of your art classes. He had yeah. no idea. What yeah, fish out of water. I could tell. No, he, he doesn't have a. You know, I played hoops my entire life. <laughs> loved hoops, and I, I, I started as a center. Uh, when I was a little kid and he ended up as the shortest guard on the court. So my body didn't keep up with it, but I, I used to play guard like a center. So it was a little scary, but uh, yeah, that's, yeah, no, no, nothing but love for basketball. But it's man. a beautiful it's, game. It's and art. I oh, it's, oh yeah. It is art. And, and I do think one of our, I, if you ask, you know, cause we've talked about it. Okay. Yes. The toughness and the, you know, the discipline that, that we've had got us to a certain point, but all part of this last six years has been really honing into the creativity of the game. So like we do a lot of analytics and data and scouting like everybody, yeah. but we're not afraid to get very creative. And we've done some things with our team that's been very unique and creative in terms of defensive alignments or offensive alignments yeah. um, that are completely out of the box. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Uh, but our culture and our players are that, hey, we're going to we're going to try some different things, you know, and, and that's been really fun. And that's tapped into 
I guess this uh, this side I didn't know that I had before. It's because, jazz. Uh, I mean, that's jazz you're talking about. Man. Yeah. yeah, and and yeah. and because wrestling and basketball are typically the same season, we know people typically watch more wrestling than basketball. But I may be the only only wrestler ever to have a small piece of netting that I got to cut down. So I I, I am honored. Uh, I think I, I never in my wildest dream when I started this journey. Uh, the, the beautiful things, my friendship with John, watching these kids, I, I honestly, I do really, John and I talk, but I hardly, his team culture is on cruise control. Uh, he's, got it, he's got it figured out. Um, and it's just awesome to watch him and his players flourish. It, it, it's a joy to watch his games. It's cool. It's a symphony. All right, I love it. Yeah, a jazz symphony, what that means. Well, John, it's, it's been a pleasure. I don't want to... Uh, hog any more of your time or Ron's time and you guys can bond off 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 screen as well but uh, uh really appreciate your insights and uh, uh the history lesson as well but but some of the other information you shared so thank you so much and and nothing but the best I hope we get to catch up at a game whenever that whenever those things occur in the real world again yeah thanks so much for having me David nice to meet you guys you and Ron and great to see you Ron thanks for having me on take care guys thank you take care my friend Thank you to John Krikorian for joining Dr. G and Dr. C today on the Abstract Doctors podcast. For more information on John, please visit cnusports.com. The Abstract Doctors is produced by The Abstract Athlete. For more information on podcasts, events, and subscription boxes, please visit theabstractathlete.com. And as always, follow us on all of our social media platforms under The Abstract Doctors and The Abstract Athlete. The office is now closed, but join us for our next appointment when Dr. G and Dr. C speak with CEO and founder of Business Improv, actor, writer, comedian, author, Bob Colham.